Hey, ding-dongs, welcome to The Good Play. My name is Brianna, and with me I have... Marissa. Hi. And we... This is a podcast about uh, the NBC sitcom The Good Place. So, why are we doing this podcast? We are obsessed with The Good Place. Pretty much what happened was, Marissa... We're sisters, by the way. Yeah, in (laughs) case you couldn't tell from the nearly identical voices, we are, in fact, sisters. It's probably a nightmare for people to listen to both of us, because You know what? People listen to both Invisibilia and to McElroy Brothers shows, so I think that they're going to deal with it. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Our whole lives, we've been told that we have the exact same voice. And in fact, at one point, uh, when I was visiting Marissa at college, one of her friends said, it's like listening to Marissa say disparaging things about Marissa. So yes, I am the older sister. She yes, is the younger sister. She's older. And so my wise older sister introduced me to The Good Place about two weeks ago now. And uh, we, right. yeah. we watched the first two episodes together. And then immediately when I got home, I binge watched the entire first season. Thank you, Netflix. Which is what happened to me. And I don't binge watch things. It's like very much not my style. But someone told me to watch this. And I was like watching my phone in the bathroom while I brushed my teeth, you know, or watching it you know, while I was trying to like put my clothes on in the morning. I just wa- I watched all of them in a period of like 30 hours. It's it's simultaneously very interesting and very soothing and very addicting so and very funny yes very 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 funny so we're basically doing this show because we wanted to talk about it with other people and i know i've been trying to get all of my friends into it i've been texting people saying you've got to get into the good place you've got to get into the good place and so we figured there are probably people <laughs> that's, that's a little bit ironic right you've got to get into the good place yeah. like, quick, <laughs> save a child from drowning yes you've got to remember your sister's birthday and yeah you know <laughs> was, cha- yeah we just <laughs> changed oh, our ahead of ourselves but i just freeze-framed that 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 um little um infographic that michael puts up in the in the opening video change the hearts and minds of a nation (laughs) (laughs) oh so great so we are getting ahead of ourselves but we'll get into it so basically we just wanted to start this show uh ahead of the second season because the second season is starting uh this week and goodness you're right i know i'm very excited i wanted to talk about it and engage with other people who are into it because I can't stop talking about it or stop watching it. In fact, I, last night in preparation for the show, I watched the last two episodes again. Uh, so we've got a lot of questions and a we lot should of say right to off the bat, we should say right off the bat, we're going to spoil the first season. And if you have not watched the first season, please stop listening to us and stop what you're doing watch, right now. Stop what you're doing right now and go watch the first season. Okay, we'll yeah. talk a little bit more about spoilers policy, but like first season for us is f- totally fair game from from like for the rest of time. Yes, the first season is fair game. Yes, and I I will say that you know as Marissa was saying the our spoilers policy is when we recap an episode we will save all the real spoilery stuff till the end of of the show so that you can listen and then choose to skip out. I think that's the way we're going to handle it, but we can't really talk about all of our questions for season two or what we're excited about without spoiling the end of season one. Uh, so, right. If you haven't watched it, then, um, you know, thanks for tuning in, but you got to watch the first season. <laughs> and quite frankly, if you haven't watched the the first season, I'm not entirely sure what you're doing here, but we welcome everyone. Yeah. It's, uh, it's on Netflix. Yes. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. on. And that. it's actually, because it's uh, on NBC, it's only, 22 minutes an episode 
and only 13 episodes, so it's pretty easy to, to get through. So we'd recommend. So what to expect with this show? Uh, we do want to just lay that out in case you're looking for something specific. But uh, So we're going to do some episode recaps and discussions. That'll sort of start once we get into season two. I think today... Our, our first episode, we're going to be going back over season one a tiny bit and then talking about what we expect for season two and some questions that we have like, answered and some discussion points. But um, we'll also have theories, uh, our own questions. Uh, one note about uh, the explicit, explicit language on the show. So if you've watched season one of The Good Place, they have they have their own way of handling explicit language, which we think is quite funny, so we are going to do our best to stick to that. I think Marissa's going to be better at that than I am, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> so you can probably listen to this show with your children in the car, as long as you don't mind them going to school and calling things bullshit. Or calling people ding-dongs, that's, which that's... is my new favorite thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So bullshit and fork and... Uh, Bench. Yeah. Bench. So yeah, we're, we're going to stick to that. Ashhole. Ash Don't forget Ashhole. Ash that's very true. So um, that's, that's yeah, we're not going to have the explicit, uh, any real explicit language, but you'll know what we mean. Um, and um, also, very important programming note, at least for me, uh, we're going to do a lot of just um, pining over Demon Adam Scott, which I think one of my main questions, you know, is what's wrong with me that I find him so attractive, but we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough out there, guys. It's tough out there. Uh, and um, yeah, any official spoilers, like we said, will happen at the end. Yeah. So this means, and um, I'm not sure that you and I had come to a complete consensus on this, but but I'm thinking that, you know, the, the network releases some spoilers, right? And we'll just push those towards the end. And that's sort of what, right. and everything else, you know, anything that, that has actually aired on network television is up for discussion and anything that is sort of, you know, they'll put stuff on their Facebook page or, you know, the showrunner will be interviewed or what have you. And that stuff will be at the end so that you can tune out if you want. And we'll, we'll tell you when we're going into spoiler space. Yeah. So... Do we want to tackle a quick uh, season one recap? Yes, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be challenging, but um, I'll take a pass at it sure. if you want. Go ahead. Okay, so um, Eleanor Shellstrop, who is played by Kristen Bell, uh, wakes up in the afterlife, and she is confronted by um, what is known as an architect, someone who makes neighborhoods in the good place, allegedly. Um, his name is Michael. He's played by Ted Danson. Um, and he tells her she's in the good place. She's here. She's going to meet her soulmate. Um, and she's going to live in a house that, you know, perfectly fits her personality. And that she is in the good place because she was a death row lawyer who got people off death row. That's a little redundant. And um, she went on a human rights mission to Ukraine. And she broke up dog fighting rings. And just like anything you could think of that like a good person would do. And at the end of the episode, we, I think it's the end of the episode, the first one, we realize because she reveals herself to her quote unquote soulmate, Chidi. Um, that's Marissa's boyfriend. Okay, my boyfriend. Uh, yes, that's my boyfriend. Yeah. You can have Demon Adam Scott 
Chidi is my boyfriend. You, I feel like you're um, getting the deal. better end of the deal in the long run here. I for sure. <laughs> this is am. this is why Although... you're married with two children, and I'm living by myself <laughs> and of these. <laughs> so, um, let's see. So, so she tells Chidi that there's been a big mix-up. That her name is Eleanor Shellstrop, but she did not do any of the things that the that michael has claimed that she has done that got her into the good place so she thinks there's been a clerical error essentially and then the season kind of goes on they discover that another resident in this neighborhood is also a fake they he is called jianyu um and he is thought to be a buddhist monk by everybody including by his soulmate tahani al jamil who is a british socialite um jianyu actually turns out to be not a buddhist monk but actually um a dj from florida an aspiring dj an amateur dj um, amateur who DJ. does pranks on vine and he also sells fake drugs to college students that's how he makes money that's right yeah yeah he's he's real bad news um so he but has hilarious also been lying low yes he has also been lying low trying not to be discovered the way eleanor is Meanwhile, Eleanor decides she wants to try to deserve her spot in the good place. So Chidi, who was a professor of ethics in his life, becomes her personal professor of ethics. And sometimes Jianyu, whose real name is Jason, uh, Jason will stop in also for ethics lessons. Eventually, he calls them uh, ethnics lessons. Yeah, he's a a piece of work. Uh, Eventually, Michael becomes aware that both Eleanor and Jason are frauds, and there sort of turns into this whole chase subplot. Is Eleanor going to stay? Or is she going to go to the bad place? Um, they're fighting for her. She She's surrendering. She's fighting. You know, what's going to happen? Meanwhile, Jason falls in love with the robotic is it fair to call her robotic she is the she's essentially the ai who is an assistant in this neighborhood she's like a much funnier siri yes she's a siri with a personality jason falls in love with her she eventually reciprocates somehow they get married in a ceremony in a ceremony that as janet says it was not legal (laughs) (laughs) we we, i feel like we could devote an entire episode to darcy carden's delivery so oh my god she is so she's great oh every by the way all the acting on this show is amazing top notch um so in the end there's there's a whole sort of um a sort of a ticking clock about the, the bad place is missing jason and eleanor and someone has to go and take their place in the good place is it going to be them is it going to be their friends um and finally at the end of the season while this is all sort of going getting to a roiling boil eleanor figures out that they are actually not in the good place they are in the bad place um and that this neighborhood that michael created is actually a sort of a personal private hell for herself, Jason, Chidi, and uh, Tahani. And um, Ted Danson reveals himself to be evil in possibly the best, <laughs> the best piece of acting I've ever seen him do. Not that I was like a big Cheers fan or anything. I, I can't say I've seen a lot of Ted Danson. Like I've seen like Three Men and a Baby, mm-hmm. and have I have I seen much with else with him? But it was just such an amazing sort of heel face turn. 
Um, I read I read in an interview with uh, Michael Schur, who is the the showrunner and creator, that uh, they had scripted it a different way, and after they'd gotten a bunch of takes, Ted Danson just said, let me try something. And he did the laugh at the end yes. of the, and that's what, uh, that's what made it in. So kudos to you, Ted Danson. Oh boy. Yeah. And um, we, we end the season with a, a very long explanation of how exactly this neighborhood came to be. Um, that I think I'm not going to get into in detail. I think that Brianna and I are going to, um, we're going to go back and do, uh, season, uh, sorry, episode by episode recaps of season one. Yes. After we're, th- maybe if we hit a if we hit a lull in season two, you know, if they take a break, or maybe it's just at the end of season two. So we'll get into all this more in detail, like uh, at a later date. But um, in essence, we sort of figure out, or we are shown as an audience, you know, all the ways that this neighborhood was created to be the hell for these four people. And they are sort of like, well, we figured it out. And Ted Danson is like, great. Um, I'm just going to erase all of your memories, start this over again, and make a few changes that will hopefully keep you torturing each other for a much longer period of time. And that's what happens. And um, Kristen Bell's character, Eleanor, wakes up at the end of the first season um, with no memory of the events of the first season. And that's how it ends. Yeah. Great recap. I'm going to add a couple of things uh, just because I think they might uh, come back for season two. Um, the first one being, did you mention that there was a, a like a, a different Eleanor that comes in at one point? I didn't. Okay. I didn't. So that's uh, one of the things that, that is used to torture these poor four people um, is a, basically who they believe to be the quote real Eleanor. Um, because Kristen Bell's character believes that she doesn't belong there. And when Demon Adam Scott shows up, I have to rep for Brianna. I, I have to rep for Demon Adam Scott. When he shows up to take Kristen Bell to the bad place, he says, uh, she says, I don't want to go. And he says, OK, well, then we'll just keep the real Eleanor. And it turns out when um, there is a woman who they believe to be the real Eleanor, she she says she is and talks about all the wonderful things she did on earth and talks about how scary the bad place is. Um, and she's actually very convincingly, very sweet for a while. And then, uh, in the last episode, when Michael reveals that, uh, Kristen Bell is Kristen Bell's character is correct. And the, this is the bad place. It is also revealed that that fake Eleanor, well, the quote, real Eleanor is actually a fake Eleanor and her real name is Vicky. And we think she's probably a demon too. Uh, I, I, I vote that when we recap that episode, we never use the terms fake and real Eleanor. We're going to have to come up with something else, like use the actresses. Yes, I think so. Because it's so confusing. I agree. I'm confusing myself. And then um, the second thing is that um, right before their memories are erased in the last episode, Eleanor is trying to figure out a way. Uh, Kristen Bell Eleanor is, is trying to figure out a way to not lose all of the progress that they have made and try to help herself out. Yes, this is a this is a major point. Thank and you. And she she thinks and um, tears the page out of one of uh, Chidi's philosophy textbooks. And importantly, I think importantly, yes. it is the title page of the book "What We Owe to Each Other," yes. which is actually the name of one of the episodes in season one. So maybe we can talk. Yeah, about I wonder that if the author more. of that book got like a kind of like a bump in sales. <laughs> I hope so. And uh, and she writes a note on it for herself, and then once the 
reality is rebooted and her uh her they've all been restarted in this new construct of the the bad place um Janet, the rebooted Janet, shows up and says, hi there, I, I found this in my mouth. I think it's yours. And it turns... Right. So she doesn't have a memory of right. the, the past season, no more than the rest of them do. But she has this physical thing. Right. And and she's she looks at the note that says, Eleanor, find Cheaty. And she says, what the fork is a Cheaty? And right. uh, that's kind of where we leave off. So it... Yeah, it just zooms out on her yeah. sort of wondering that. And that's that's where the season ends. So pretty much right after I watched that uh, for the first time, because I've watched it numerous <laughs> times since then, <laughs> I texted Marissa and I said, the show is amazing. A plus, 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 plus. Um, you know, basically, we should do a show about it. <laughs> um, so here we are. Here we are. I have so many questions. Do you know the one that, do you mind if I just start off with like a, go ahead. I've been meditating, please. This is like, this is not, this is like a very deep for a first question, but what is going to be the end game of this entire series? Right. So the, the showrunner here, Michael Schur, right. He did um, Parks and Rec. Yes. Am I correct about that? And he did The Office, right? Yeah. So he is generally someone I think of as being, I guess, an optimist, you know, his shows generally have an optimistic slant to them. You know, you don't see, and I have not watched Parks and Rec, but you don't I have, see like, and I love it. You don't see like Leslie Nope, you know, like uh, dying by the side of the road, right? As the <laughs> as the final season of Parks no. and Rec, right? It's not, no, no, it's not his style. Yeah, but, Leslie Nope is actually the eternal optimist amongst a bunch of like lovable goofs. But Basically. she's the one that you are meant to sort of see as, as the POV character and the yes. audience stand-in, right? So yes. so her attitude is sort of Michael Schur's attitude, I think, to some degree. Or the attitude that he wants to um, evince in his shows. Yeah. I, and I think you could say the same maybe about Jim and Pam. Um, so ha- it just occurred to me, and maybe this has already occurred to you, uh, but it just occurred to me that like the end game for this show, if it's going to follow sort of the Michael Schur um general optimism about existence like how can it end with anything other than like the destruction of the current afterlife you know like if if we are to believe what is presented to us about the good place which is that one in a million get in and everyone else is consigned to eternal torture um which seems pretty accurate i mean you could look at eleanor and jason and say like they were not good people right so they are going to the bad place Mm -hmm. but you look at tahani and chidi and you think like well they weren't you know they weren't fantastic people but they were fine people you know they were normal people and for them to be tortured for eternity gives you um the framework for an afterlife that is very punitive and in fact, may have this uh, quality that is initially assigned to it of it being um, one in a million people get into the good place and everyone else is in the bad place, right? Mm-hmm. It, you know, if we're if we're talking about a Michael Schur show where um, that is, you know, we don't usually have this attitude of um, one in. A, maybe you can say it better than I can, but but it's just like. That's a very pessimistic, you know, 999,999 people out of a million getting eternal torture is like ultimately a very dark worldview. Yeah, I I see what you're saying, because I think 
um, Parks and Recreation is, I think, even more so than The Office. I love The Office, too, but I think it is that show in particular is more about, like, just finding the funny and the mundane workplace. But uh, it is a little bit sort of a darkly comic, whereas Parks and Recreation uh, with Leslie Nope as your point of view character, as you pointed out, uh, is really about everybody trying their best, everybody, even with their foibles and flaws, coming together in the end, respecting each other, loving each other. And I think oftentimes in a Parks and Recreation episode, when Leslie has to make a choice um, that might negatively impact people, the end of the episode or the end of the arc of that choice, she finds a way to... um, come up with the best possible scenario so that her negative consequence, there are no negative consequences or, or very little negative consequences for people. Right. Um, right. So is it, is it incorrect for me to sort of assign that worldview to Michael Shore? I mean, that I, I, that's, that's sim- maybe simplifying things, but I, I tend to think of that as his, that's sort of the, the slant he wants to take yeah. on his art. Yeah. I mean, it would certainly be a, a real one eighty uh for him to for his next project to be like i basically want to do a really dark view of like dante's inferno or something like that (laughs) so you're right so so how does this end if if michael shore is going to be michael shore yeah i just don't see how this ends any other way than essentially the destruction of heaven and hell like sort of very philip um, pullman-esque very (laughs) philip pullman yes let's please read those books oh please do it uh, his his dark materials but it'll make you cry um even if even if through some machinations this sort of um four tuple of people manage to claw their way out of the bad place and end up somewhere else we're not even sure you know we saw a medium place in season one but in retrospect it's impossible to know if that was truly um a place separate from the bad place yeah i think we're gonna get to that we're, we're gonna have to talk about that yeah because um anything that happened before the reveal of michael being evil is now immediately suspect yeah there are some things that we can know for sure because we see them um, when Michael is actually talking to his own co-workers in the bad place. So the good place is real, right? Because he says he stole Janet from the good place. Yes. So we know that there is a good place and we know that Janet is a sort of a programming construct of that good place. There is a bad place, Janet, there who is, a, is hysterical. Place, Janet, yeah, who is um, does not care about you or your needs. No. Yes, right. Yeah. So even if this, even if this um, quadrangle of people, what is the right word for a? It's not quartet? a triumvirate. A quartet. quartet. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Even if this quartet, I like of the word managed... fortuple. Also, thank you. That's uh, <laughs> that's my that's my computer science background. Um, <laughs> even if this this quartet of people manage to escape from Michael and where that puts them, we have no way of knowing. But mm-hmm. even if they manage to do that, we're still left with the reality of an after an inescapable afterlife where the vast majority of souls on this planet are tortured for eternity. And that is not cool. <laughs> it's it's kind of deeply scary when you think about it. It means that everybody is graded on a curve, right? I mean, there's not just some sort of minimum level of, 
you know, you were basically a decent person, it means that you have to be in the top, you know, 0.001% or whatever, which means that you're competing against a lot of people who are better than you, which means you're definitely going to go to hell. Yeah, I was actually in in rewatching the pilot episode recently. I I was sort of like, man, I would not make it into the good place. Let's be real. Okay, you listener, be real with yourself, too. You're not going to the good place in this setup. No. Okay, this is not... Hitler goes to hell and the rest of us go to heaven. This is, and, and I apologize, I am using heaven and hell where I should be saying the good place and the bad place. Yeah, they, but, they um, do say in the pilot episode that this isn't really the heaven and hell construction that we are sort of used to from Judeo-Christian uh, teachings. It's but Yeah, but it's closer to that than it is to, say, you know, reincarnation or right. Dharma or whatever. Although, is it because they were sort of reincarnated at the end to go through this all over again. Yeah, but not into life, just into a different kind of afterlife. That's true. Um so so yeah, I just need to I just need to put this out there. I I don't know how Michael Schur is going to make this work without um having the four of them basically overthrow the hierarchy of angels and demons. So that would be interesting. I'm kind That's, of into uh, that. <laughs> right, so am I, but uh, that would be a hell of a thing. But it's an NBC so, so network sitcom. So you know, but think... interestingly, it seems to be an NBC network sitcom that, as you and I sort of talked about offline, is sort of atheistic. Yeah. Um, they, they These architects, they're never referred to as angels or demons or anything like that. No, I call um, Demon Adam Scott a demon, but he's really just a representative of the bad place. Right. Yeah. Um, they they seem to operate quasi-autonomously. Um, we have Sean in those last couple episodes. It's hard to know who or what he actually is. He bills himself as the eternal, help me out here, the eternal judge of all things in the good place and bad place. Is that right? Something like that, yeah. But then you kind He's of basically see him... infallible. That's what he claims. Right. But but then you see him sort of in the conference room with Michael and he seems like kind of you know, he's one level up from Michael. He's maybe, like but bad he place middle management. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He does not seem to be he's not in a C suite. Okay. Like I, I think that this judge thing he's just putting on a part. The way the rest know. of them are. The way the rest of them are. Yeah. Yeah. So we we have yet to see anyone who would qualify as something even close to a god. Um, you know, you you want to. I think a god has to be omniscient to qualify, right? <laughs> Which these creatures like aren't definitionally aren't right. because they don't know, for instance, that Eleanor is going to um, sort of. I don't want to say sacrifice herself, but when she sort of stands up and tells everybody that she is the mistake in their neighborhood, you know, that takes them all by surprise. Right. So they're not, they're not even close to being omniscient because that didn't even take long to happen. Yeah. I mean, what is the end game for the show given that we have been presented with a construct and presented with um, now understanding that there are still two sides, but we're on a different our point of view characters are on a different side of it than we thought they were for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does that mean for the reality of the bad place? I mean, I'm, th- you're, you're really, uh, 
I had not thought about that. <laughs> so <laughs> it only occurred to me the other day. You're like, kind of bumming me out here. <laughs> so going right. I mean, well, just off the top of my head, I, I think that there is. I think this goes into our discussion pretty well of season two, which is, you know, what is the bad place really like? What is the good place really like? I think you're correct that we do know that both of them actually exist because Michael says it. We see it uh, in the conference room sequence when he's kind of talking about uh, his plans. And I was going to say, you know, maybe the bad place isn't um, so torturous and so bad because what we see of it is sort of like, you know, a, a conference room at a bank that's kind of lit like it's in Gotham City. But uh, um, we do see that lava monster and they do talk mm-hmm. about different ways that they've been torturing people. So, yeah, I, 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 I have to believe I, yeah. that, you know, he talks about, you know, Sean says something like trying to trying to get them to pull out each other's teeth. Yes. He, right, I love that line. Torture. He's, <laughs> he's a very that that affect is pretty amazing. Very deadpan trying to uh, humans are very reticent to torture each other. Uh, even getting them to do simple things like pulling out each other's teeth is like, well, I can't think of a good metaphor. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you're right. That So that does exist. So maybe we are going. I mean, it, I think at this point, it's it's maybe notable to point out that um, Michael Schur did talk to David Lindelof, who is the showrunner from Lost. Um, which just as a programming note, neither one of us has watched. So sure. So we're, yeah, no, not, but, not either of our styles. But no. we do know, nor have we watched uh, the, the, uh, the leftovers. leftovers. No, not interested. I have in that. read the book, the leftovers. It's, yeah. You gave me a brief synopsis and it sounded uh, bleak to say the it's least. It's a wonderful book. I recommend the book. Um, but that might be, you know, I think the, the, my understanding of it was he talked to him to kind of get a sense of how you really pull off a a twist um, like we saw at the end of season one, but there might actually be uh, because I do know that there was some heaven and hell mythology and uh, some, some sort of purgatory situation in Lost as well. Spoilers for Lost, actually. I don't even. I, I don't even <laughs> it's know. Ten-year-old spoilers yeah. for Lost, right? I, I don't even know if, if you I am. Thirty Rock, by the way, you got that spoiler for Lost. I don't even know uh, if I am spoiling anything because, like I said, haven't seen it. But he could also have been talking to Lindelof about what it means to create a show around a mythology like this and how to subvert that. So we may see that you know maybe maybe there's a loophole in this version of the bad place or maybe the whole thing is a construct i mean i I don't necessarily want to go that far but um because i think it would be kind of disappointing if at the end they were like it was all a dream and she wakes up in the parking lot right (laughs) of the grocery store oh that would that would be a huge middle yeah to the audience yeah so i will just uh for those of you who may not know um eleanor uh, Kristen Bell's character uh, is killed by a basically she drops her margarita mix uh, in the grocery store parking lot after having a fight with someone who's asking her to uh, you know do you have a second for the environment they have a fight and uh, she gets uh, run into by a giant row of shopping carts that's coming at her and she gets pulled out into the street and uh, by the shopping carts and gets run over by 
a truck and that's how she dies i think this is a great place for us to segue into the deaths of these characters yes because this is a question that i had had but upon re-watching i think it becomes a little clearer so these are all young people Mm -hmm. who have died violent deaths you know this is not none of them you know wasted away from cancer right uh or or anything of that nature right these are all people who are under the age of 35 certainly mm-hmm. um now okay well okay so that <laughs> Kristen eleanor's death uh my sister just uh wonderfully summarized cheaty has an air conditioner fall on his head which is that's rough rough in front yeah. of his best friend in front of his best friend right and a month before the best friend's wedding yeah. like that is not cool yeah especially since chidi is of the four of them obviously you know the one who is sort of the nicest and best person yeah the, the four of them. yeah yeah he he tries the most to be a good person i think yeah yeah jason i is love trying this to rob, he's trying to rob a pizza place with his friend yeah with his friend he hides in a safe and he wears a snorkel in the safe <laughs> I love in this. hopes yes in hopes that he will uh not suffocate but he does suffocate tahani we are not shown her death but she makes a an, a reference to sacrificing herself to save somebody else and it's hard to know how truthful that is but it remains that she is a young person who obviously did not die slowly she died quickly so you know i was sort of thinking like were these people specifically murdered in or in some sort of cosmic sense in order to bring them together in this hell sort of afterlife but when you see the flashbacks of when michael is designing the neighborhood someone comes to him and says we just got the new crop so it doesn't seem that Michael could have had a hand in their deaths. That's interesting because, because yeah, I mean, there's no guarantee that the those four people would be well suited to torture each other uh, for all eternity with their own insecurities and all that uh, had he not had a hand in it. But I do... I didn't get that timing before that somebody comes to him and says, now we have the new people and, and now you've got to design this, uh, this I neighborhood for them. I assume that they kind of get dead people in waves or batches, you know, like a week's worth together or something. And then maybe the architects kind of get to, because you do get a sense that the bad place tortures are individualized to some degree. Yeah. Um, you know, the the woman who is pretending to be the real Eleanor. We got to figure out that actress's name. Um, she makes a reference to, and now this again, she's she's acting. She's not. She hasn't really spent time in the bad place as someone being tortured. Um, but she does make a reference to um, being forced to attend the baby shower of a woman she doesn't know, and she has to remember all their names, or else she gets electrocuted. Right, yeah. which is a very funny. Yes. Very funny sort of version of the afterlife. Yes. For those of us especially who are bad with names, and I will have to raise my hand at that one. Um, so, oh my goodness, I lost my train of thought. Help me out. Well, I- I'll jump in here and say that as you were talking, I-, I was thinking about this. And, you know, if somebody says we got the new crop, right? Yes. It's impossible for me to believe with 
however many billions of people there are on Earth, that only four people died in a week. Yes, yes, so, that's exactly what I meant. Yeah, that yeah. there is some huge batch of dead people, and Michael kind of goes through picks them. Picks through and those. Picks out, yes, he picks yeah. the four that he wants you know, and, and someone does make, Sean makes a reference at some point to like all this work just for four people. Yeah, we so, got to get into that because that's one of the things, one of the questions that I have is why these four people and why so much work for them? You know, is, is there some other Right, it, it, it takes the involvement of literally hundreds of Bad Place employees. Yes. On a <laughs> From a return basis. on investment perspective, it does not seem like a smart business model. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that Michael's notion is that if he can get it to work with these four people, then ultimately he can get entire neighborhoods full of people who are all um, actually in the bad place, think that they're in the good place and are sort of torturing each other in these like little psychological ways. And that way there doesn't have to be any bad place employee uh, participation the way that there seems to be in the real bad place right or you know in the bad place that is purporting to be the bad place the the hellfire and brimstone kind of bad place right it does yeah. seem like you know something like todd the lava monster like todd <laughs> is is there sort of you know physically torturing people you right. Know, I guess I guess Ted Danson is trying to automate his colleagues out of a job. Well, is... so that brings up another question that I, <laughs> I didn't even think about. I think he needs to go about. to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. <laughs> I he's didn't even be think about this. Work. I I didn't even think about this and and the other thing I will say is uh given I, I agree with you that I think Ted Danson is saying well we can scale up at some point. Um if it works for four people that it can work for basically factors of four people going up and up and up. And then we could have an entire neighborhood or an entire, you know, area or an entire bad place where, you know, we don't have to do this kind of work anymore. Um, Going back to your very, very first question about what's the worldview here, is the worldview that he's essentially trying to create Earth in the bad place? Hell is other people. Hell is other people. Daria Morgendorfer, right? I mean, it's the... Uh, I think it was Nietzsche or something. Never, it's Daria. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. But I, I think maybe that is, is the worldview, the sort of darkly comic worldview of... Um, Listener, you, know, you may hear um, the uh, the sirens of New York City outside of my Yes, I live in right Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I... Uh, I, I can't do anything to help that. Every time I'm on the phone with someone or something, they're like, are you okay? What's going on? Said, That's New York. It happens. Um, it's actually, so, Hell is Other People is a Jean-Paul Sartre. So okay. I'm sorry, people who actually took philosophy classes in I college. did not. I did Neither not. Did I. <laughs> uh, but yes, we can. I think maybe that is. Well, the reason I thought it was Daria honestly is because uh my sister had a poster in her room of daria reading six sad world with the caption hell is other people so maybe that is the darkly comic worldview of he's trying to basically recreate how we are all uh we all even if we like each other or even if we're decent people we all do kind of torture each other in different ways (laughs) that is that is so genius, though. I, I that, didn't even that, think about it until you were talking about automating the bad place jobs and how there would really be no bad place involvement anymore. The idea that, oh, 
that is like having just neighborhoods full of people who are getting on each other's nerves is kind of what we have now yes. while we're alive. <laughs> right. I mean, I have a pretty optimistic uh, view on life and yeah. um, I love my family and um, I like my job. But if I have to stand in line at the post office, I basically am being tortured. Yeah. <laughs> it can be a one deep line at the post office and still you, you, you are being tortured by being kept there for like 20 minutes yes over one person's one package honestly. yeah yeah so i i think we'll see yeah, if I we're mean, correct a very on lost, that a very damon lindelof lost type reveal would be that right now we are all in the bad place <laughs> that would be rough Let, i'll be honest <laughs> Uh, but yes, you're correct. I, I, I have I, definitely heard that from, from their sci-fi writers who write about Earth as being the hell for, you know, some other species, planet, or what have you. Um, that would be deep. Uh, it would be very bleak. Yes. <laughs> it would be. It would be. But also, you know, maybe there's some humor in that somewhere. I'm going to try to find some because if I don't, I think I'm, I'm just going to lie in bed with the lights off wondering <laughs> whether it take, even at matters. Least take some Ben and Jerry's to bed with you. Yes. Well, I have uh, a pint of Ample Hills waiting for me, which is the, the, I will just quickly plug if you're anywhere near New York City. marketing. Yes. Go find Ample Hills. It is the greatest. Um yeah, I mean, I, I, that might be it. But I also think there could be, if he is trying to sort of uh, automate or not automate with, with uh, robots or, or machines, but automate with human beings, the jobs that are being done by uh, low-level bureaucrats in hell, um, then is it possible that we're going to see as the show goes on a faction of good of bad place people who say hey wait a minute you know what about what about my jobs are we gonna get you know not to get too political here but we're gonna get maga hats on the yeah place <laughs> make the bad place bad again or something like that say. yeah uh you never know i think that's the i think that's one of the things that i really love about the show and i think marissa you do too is that there are there are so many places that it could go literally and figuratively because they're making up an entire world, but also story wise, we could see so many different things. Yeah. And, and, and Michael Schur has said, um, and I don't think this is, I don't, I don't consider this a spoiler that, you know, the second season is not going to be a recapitulation of the first season. You know, if, if, if we were just going to watch Eleanor once again, come to terms with how much of a, bench she acted like while she was alive <laughs> and try to better herself over the course of a season i mean that would be very tedious it would probably be very funny because this is a show with excellent writing and excellent yes. acting but um not especially like fruitful for someone who wants to sort of see um where the plot can go so the plot is going somewhere different but we don't know where that is right and i think it it sounds from what we've seen of, and we'll get into season two kind of spoilers in a minute, but it sounds like from what we've seen, yeah, we're going to see some more behind the scenes stuff from Michael's point of view, because now we know who Michael is. Mm-hmm. Now they can do a lot more fun stuff uh, narratively and put, you know, maybe we'll see uh, scenes from season one from a different perspective uh, 
all over again. So that could be kind of interesting. And I'm very excited to see where it goes. Yeah. So I I did want to interject a theory that my husband had, which is that this, the season one that we saw was not their first time through the bad place, but I have to disagree with my husband on this um, because you see apart from the four of them, the quartet, you do see Michael talking to Sean and saying, you know, what do you say? Let's give it a second try or something Mm -hmm. along those lines. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, if there is any reality to be had in this show, it has to be from what you see Michael say when there are no um, humans around. Yeah. So um, I'm going to grab on tight to, you know, that material and um, use it as a basis for reality and say that season one represented the first time through. Yeah. Um, and that saying otherwise would sort of be another middle finger to the audience. Right. <laughs> and uh, and we are about to see the second time through in season Your two. husband also didn't know that Ted Danson was on Cheers. He's not great with celebrities and pop culture and faces and people and names and things. But we love him anyway. But I love him, yes. Yes. <laughs> um... He's, he is watching our children right now so that I can record this podcast. <laughs> I do love him. <laughs> So, um, do we have any more questions before we get? There is a Vulture article that I, I just quickly like to run through because there are some sort of sort of basic questions that I thought were good that they ran through of what we can look out for in season two. But do we have any of our own, more of our own uh, thoughts and meanderings here? I'm fresh out. Oh, you had the other day when we were talking about this because listeners we we talk about this all the time in our just our <laughs> lives, our private lives. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh you had a a thing the other day about a question the other day about um the relationship between michael and uh demon adam scott which i thought was actually kind of of interesting yeah you know when you rewatch the first season with the guilty knowledge that the whole thing is a setup some of the some of the behavior of some of the characters becomes a lot harder to explain. Um, in in particular, when Adam Scott and his like crew visits the good place, the quote unquote good place, mm-hmm. um, and the way that he and Michael kind of relate to each other, it's it's very hard. I mean, it's basically, you know, this is a these bad place employees. I guess are a bunch of classically trained actors <laughs> because. Um, you know they they really do act as though it's demons meeting angels and of course it's just you know adam scott meeting ted danson who both you know use the bad place break room to to drink their antimatter coffee right so marissa's point the other day when we were talking about this was that uh, adam scott deserves a bafta for his <laughs> for adam scott's character well i think adam scott deserves every award in the world because i love him but um adam scott's character deserves a, a bafta for his performance as a- an irredeemable bad place demon for lack of a better word who is going up against a very powerful person on the side of the good place which at the time we believe is is michael um right and my point uh was that just because they're both in the bad place doesn't you know it, it could be that demon adam scott really does dislike michael because 
uh, Demon Adam Scott kind of is like the Andy character from Wet Hot American Summer. It's not cool to try, and you know everybody here sucks, and I'm the best, and so uh, maybe he dislikes Michael for wanting to innovate and basically being a teacher's pet. That was my point. So I, I want to put a pin in this and get back to it when we talk about the season one sure. recap episodes. Sure. But the point is, it's very interesting to me that when confronted with Eleanor's um, willingness to out herself, that they sort of spiraled into this pretending that someone from the bad place was going to come get her and then they arrive and they act out and all that stuff, which... You have to look back at it now and say, what did they think the end game here was going to be? So not from a show perspective, not from Michael Schur's perspective, but inside the show, sort of the the narrative of the show. What did Michael and Adam Scott and Sean and all these other characters that are actually bad place employees, what was, what what in God's name did they think was going to happen when they set all this stuff into motion? You know, they kind of forced the quartet into a corner that I don't, I'm not sure was necessary looking back at it. You know, I think it would have been more fruitful if for instance, Michael had continued to pretend to be this good place architect and said, well, Eleanor, I've really come to love you. So I'm not going to tell the bad place. And this is going to be our shared secret. And there had continued to be these, um, sort of malfunctions in their neighborhood and it just had continued to evince sort of sorry had continued to create guilt in these people and it you know it seems like michael is um putting himself in in danger for them and this that the other thing right um rather than immediately engaging with this whole like well you know we have to alert the authorities protocol which seems like it really could have ended only one way which is the way that it ended because there was, you know, as Eleanor says, like, they're never going to call a train to take us to the bad place because we're already here. Like, how were they going to play that when two people finally did volunteer to go to the bad place? Right. I mean, I I agree with you. I, I think that's very interesting, especially because we know that in an earlier episode in season one, we find out what happens when uh, good place employees are sort of put out to pasture so to speak uh you know i think it's quote, i think it's retired. when bad place employees not good place employees oh well but they believe he's in the good place right they believe he's a good place architect and he says that his retirement is like oh yes i see what yeah. you mean mm-hmm. so yeah. they so if he were to say you know i'm doing this i'm i'm keeping your secret i'm sticking my, my neck out for you yeah. yeah then she would feel even worse because we've sort of seen what happens you know the first time that happens yeah and they could have uh, had like inspectors coming and sniffing around there's all kinds yeah. of ways they could have psychologically tortured these people without sort of forcing them into this um end game yeah. that really only had one possible end well i wonder maybe if we're going to see some of that in season two because this is also kind of michael being a novice and learning from his own mistakes right he maybe he knows this time around uh because he he said uh a that he didn't expect this all to have he didn't expect her to um to out herself and the other thing is if you remember uh in the final episode there are a couple people who knock on the door while they're deliberating one is the Bamba woman John. right one is the woman who is 
uh, pretending to be real Eleanor. And she says, I love you. I'm going to take one of the spots. And that kind of throws them all into a frenzy again. Um, and then the second person is a human rights lawyer or I guess a he's bad not place a bad place employee yeah. pretending to be <laughs> a human rights lawyer uh, who fought for gay rights in Saudi Arabia at one point. And women's rights in North Korea. North Korea, which... No, good no, on you. you. No, you, no, you didn't. didn't. No, you didn't, bro. Um, we should. I should have guessed that he was that he this something was, was wrong, thing, right? Because <laughs> that is not a thing. Um, but uh, he comes to the door and says, "I've I've found an obscure precedent that just might save everyone." I've, yeah, but but that was still a, you know a a frantic hail mary, right? In a situation that they created themselves, right? But I do. Uh, what I was going to say is, I do think that. Uh, maybe Michael wasn't, maybe Michael genuinely had underestimated the effect that Chidi's good person lessons had had on Eleanor. Uh, yeah. And that this time around, he's doing a couple things differently. Um, he is not making them soulmates. He's sort of spreading them out, which I don't entirely know how that's going to work, but... Uh, yeah, how are they going to torture each other? How are they, they going to interact exactly. with each other? Although, you know, you can torture yourself pretty easily, right? If you are, uh, if you know you're not, if you think you're in the good place and you know you don't deserve to be there and you're sort of being consumed by guilt. But yeah, how are they going to torture each other if they're only interacting, you know, at infrequent intervals? Um, but maybe he really did think, you know, oh, well, I can just spin this out. But but maybe I, I do think that uh, Michael's learning along with the rest of them. And that's one of the ways that we might see a change in season two is that, you know, maybe he will bring more people into the illusion or or be better at being sort of duplicitous around Eleanor uh, and, and, and maybe say something like, oh, this can be our little secret and sort of get other people into the play acting. But at that point, you would need to have a significant, significantly higher investment on the part of all of these people who are bad place employees. So. Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. Do we think any part of Michael's personality that we saw in season one is genuine? Like his obsession with human objects and his love of karaoke and friends. And I is, love it, that. is any of that real? I think so. I, I, I like to believe so because I do think, right. He wanted to be there. And part of the reason he said that he wanted to be there in the uh, neighborhood is because he says, we don't get to see how fun it is. And yeah, which is a kind of a sick thing to say. In this it is. Particular it is kind of a sick thing to say. But I also wonder, you know, maybe he's not just talking about the torture. Maybe he is talking about the frozen yogurt and uh, the coffee cups and all <laughs> the paper clips that he seems to love and karaoke and all these things that you know i think he does have in a weird way a genuine affection for the people that he is trying to torture which is very twisted but ted danson plays it well yeah he says to his colleagues in the boardroom you know who cares about those dummies referring to the um the people being tortured that's true but that is it's possible that's just sort of an affectation that he's putting on for his colleagues Ooh, that actually. would be great if he were like secretly like a rogue, yeah, bad place employee who really wants to sort of uh, lighten up the kind of torture that people are getting. Yeah, <laughs> or this is, upend the this system is pretty, in some way. 
Yeah, we're up in this. Is, this is a pretty, you have to admit, this is a pretty minor, in in the, in the realm of torture, you know, yeah. um, being forced to be silent because someone thinks you're a Buddhist monk is like, it's not that bad. It's not yeah. bad compared to, you know, um, having your penis flattened. I mean, <laughs> or, you know, wondering if a guy likes you. If that's being tortured, then I've been tortured for many many years Uh, (laughs) which comes back to your theory that you know hell is other people and we are right yeah Um, podcasting to you from hell yes Um, i think we should wrap it up do you want to um do you i think we should do either the the vulture article or we should go into spoiler space but there's not much to talk about in spoiler space yeah there's some clips that nbc has released but they are very meager so i don't think there's much to say so do you want to yeah. sort of go through some vulture stuff sure we sure for the week yeah and i do think we touched on a lot of it uh the the different uh the different points of view and everything that we'll see i think that's mostly what we saw from nbc so um, yeah, so question number one, uh, this was a great Vulture article uh, that came out actually back in February called Seven Important Questions the Good Place Season 2 Needs to Answer. And the first question is, how will Michael's reboot work? We've talked about this. Uh, we sort of circularly talked about this, but um, uh, they're, they're basically saying, um, what exactly is the new plan? The main idea is that these four condemned souls will torture each other for centuries while the universe's meanest pencil pushers observe with glee. How will that happen, though, if they don't even know each other? We did touch on that. uh, Mm -hmm. Just uh, like basically what's going to happen in season two is Michael spreading them out uh, so that they don't get so close to each other and so involved with each other so that they can kind of each keep they don't improve each other over the course of the season the way that they did in season one. Uh, and they don't stick up for each other or lie for each other the way that they did in season one. But you're, uh, but that's a that is definitely a question that I hope they address. Which is, it seems pretty self evident how Eleanor and Jason can torture themselves, thinking that they are have snuck into a place they don't belong. Right. But it seems like Chidi and Dahani could, you know, they'll just be fine. <laughs> yeah, they could along pretty happily, you know, um, without the presence of Jason or Eleanor. Yeah. Unless, I mean, there are yeah. ways you could you could make Tahani feel um, not great, like um, telling her that in the good place, you know, we can only wear denim vests or something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is my first time as a fashion don't, and I did not care for it. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, or I that mean, she would have to live in like a little hovel, or you know, there's ways you could. There's ways sort you could on the sly torture Tahani. Yeah. It doesn't. I don't know about Chidi. Chidi, although... I, I think you could torture him independently by uh, asking him to make a lot of decisions because as we saw in season one that didn't yeah, go very his. well but this is sort of back to an the conception of the bad place that michael wants to get away from where there right. are bad place employees sort of torturing the yeah. the residents he wants the four of them to torture each other how is that going to work if they're spread out yeah and that's the central question yeah um and the second question is are you gonna go through all these uh, no, we don't have to, but, uh, the second one I actually liked, which is, will the flashbacks continue and whose flashbacks are they going to be? Um, because the, the first season flashbacks show us versions of the, of people's lives on earth. So we can get a sense of what they were really like and how they died and all that kind of stuff. And we do the flashback in the last episode, the flashbacks in the last episode do show us sort of the, the basis for this whole 
gambit. Um, but if we're going to see, if we're going to continue to see flashbacks throughout uh, season two, how are they going to, what kind of new information are they going to give us? And uh, I'm re- pretty done with the flashbacks personally. Yeah. At I mean, least to Eleanor's life. I feel like her life has been pretty well covered. We get it. <laughs> we yeah, get it. We get it. She had a terrible childhood. She was a terrible person. The end. Right. Um, and yeah. And I think one of the reasons that they bring this up and one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up here is because uh, it does say, that uh, Lost used a lot of flashbacks, so maybe that is a Lindelof construction that we, we should uh, keep a, keep an eye on. Um, got to keep an eye on that Lindelof. <laughs> he's he's too bleak for us. Um, <laughs> uh, number three, will we ever get to see the good place? Yeah, that's a big question. That is a big question, and it and there's a real question of whether the good place is a place in the sense that we think of that we now know the bad place is a place. You know, right. a lot of people who are religious sort of think of heaven as being just existing in the presence of the creator. You know, it's not about frozen yogurt and pizza and coffee, right? It doesn't really make sense for it to be about those things. You right. Know, if, if you're a spiritual being, what does it matter if you have genes that fit perfectly? You know, it should be some sort of existence that doesn't even look or feel like a human life. Right. So I'm very interested to see that, whether or not. And also, um, if there is a good place, who's in it? <laughs> who is that one in a million person who gets in? And, and what does that say about everybody else? Uh, I, think... I believe, I think Michael said Abraham Lincoln. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take that too. Um. Are the other bad places as bad as we've been led to believe? We did talk about that a little bit. Yeah, we did. Yeah, so we can skip that one. Uh, We touched on this a little bit. Number five, how does Mindy St. Clair fit into all of this? Mindy St. Clair is the woman who lives in the medium place. By herself, naked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did talk about this. And I I maintain that it's impossible to know if if the medium place is a real place. Right. So we will see in season two. And yeah. we'll get more into Mindy St. Clair, who is hilarious in her own right. We'll get more into her when we do the season one. She's a little, she's a little one note. She's I very she into cocaine. <laughs> yes. Very into cocaine and masturbation. Yep. <laughs> Which, if you're dead, I guess what's the harm? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number six, I think is interesting. What if these people actually are meant for each other? What if they actually are soulmates? Uh, That'd be hell of a coincidence. Yeah, but in a way, very cool, because you did see, at least towards the end, right, uh, Eleanor, I thought that was a really nice moment in the the final episode where Eleanor says to Chidi, uh, I was thrown into a cave yes. and, and you were my flashlight. That is right, a, which is a reference to Plato. Plato, that's what I thought. Um, although Plato didn't have flashlights, but, you know, we know what yeah, she minus means. Minus electricity. Right. Okay. <laughs> Do the conversion in your head. Uh but the cave is a, a Plato construction, and I thought that was a nice. It's beautiful. Yeah, it was really nice. And so there might it, there might be a situation where, you know, and and do soulmates have to be romantic? Can they be platonic? Can they be a get pl- it platonic? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Philosophy joke. Um, so that's another thing for us to think about is. If they are separated and they do still come back together, does that mean they're meant for each other? 
Uh, it's hard for me to imagine how Tahani and Jason would be soulmates. You never know. Yes. <laughs> Jason is a the aspiring amateur DJ from Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and uh, number seven, which is the last one, how long will it take for Eleanor to figure out what's what? Well, that's literally impossible to even speculate on. Yeah. But probably within season two, right? You would hope that all of season two wouldn't go by without her saying, wait a second. But who knows? Um, Right. Yeah. If she found this note she wrote for herself, hopefully she recognizes her own handwriting. Right. Then she immediately knows something is fishy. Right. I mean, she probably will be distracted for a little while by her new quote-unquote soulmate, who is a former mailman from Teaneck, New Jersey. Teaneck, New Jersey. Hot! It is going to take a lot of explanation from that Bad Place employee as to how a mailman in Teaneck uh, accrued enough points to enter the good place. <laughs> Maybe he just got off, got in off of his hotness. Maybe he did like, uh, you know, maybe he was a volunteer firefighter or something. Who knows? Oh, sure. Yeah. He did the, he was on the calendar, calendar and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I do think if you think this is a good place to wrap up. Uh, I think it is. Yeah, I think so. So uh, do we want to ask our, our listeners to uh, to share with us how, how they feel or. Uh... They have no way of contacting us at the moment. Womp womp. So, you know, when when this episode goes up, I'm going to sort of make a Twitter account and maybe a Facebook page or something. Cool. But um, this is it is very early days for us. So you're going to have to just uh, give us a little bit of space and we will uh, we'll figure out how to become accessible to you, our maybe imaginary, but possibly real listeners. I, I like to hope we have at least one who's not our mom. I was going to say, is it our mom? <laughs> it might be our mom. When I did my, uh, <laughs> my radio show in college with a, a group of friends, I, I think mom was our, maybe our only regular listener. Yeah. Well, she's very proud of us. She is. I mean, she doesn't know what a podcast is, but she's still very proud of yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. So uh, hopefully we'll get some other listeners and then we can uh, we can have everybody join in the conversation because I think there's so much to talk about with the show. And uh, that's kind of why we wanted to do this in the first place. Yeah. The dream would be to have a listener mailbag. Yes. Let's make it happen. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll go. Uh, I'll go make a Twitter account. All right. Thanks, Ding Dongs. We will. Uh, oh, do we want to talk about uh, maybe when uh, our next episode will be or anything like that? No, because it's we don't totally, know. Totally. Guessed. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is the shrug emoji. We do. We don't know. It's just you know, subscribe. Yes, it'll, it'll come up when it comes we'll up. We'll figure it. Eventually, we'll get into a groove, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, we'll try to do as soon after the airing as we can, yes. but I have two very small children. And, yes, she does. Uh, they, rule my, they rule my life. They do. And weirdly mine from <laughs> from states away. Uh, streets ahead. Yes. Sorry. You haven't watched Community. Go ahead and watch Community uh, while, while you're waiting for The Good Place to start. And uh, we will. I, I will also quickly interject that The Good Place comes back on uh, September 20th. Wednesday, September 20th. It's yes. a special hour-long, I believe it's at 10 p.m. Eastern. Yes, yes. Special hour-long uh, season opener. And then it's going to switch back to, I believe, Thursdays. Is that correct? Uh, I think so. Okay. 
Back to half hours. Yeah. So uh, thanks very much, Ding Dongs. We will uh, see you next time. In the meantime, try to earn your place in the good place.